Hi there, you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast with your host, me, Simon Drew. If you'd like to listen to over 200 episodes that were recorded before 2020, then you can head to my Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. We'd love to have you there and any support is greatly appreciated. We'd love to also have you on our Facebook community, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But for now, enjoy the show. Hi there, my name's Simon Drew and welcome to The Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, today's episode is another one of our Practical Stoic live interviews, so if you do want to hear the interview as well as the conversation and the extra questions from my patrons, uh, then you can just jump over to patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. You can sign up there and grab the full interview there. But uh, today I'm talking with Gregory B. Sadler. Uh, Everybody... If you haven't heard of Greg before, then you have to go back and listen to the previous interviews that I've done with him, uh, both one on this series of the podcast as well as in the past uh, in the Patreon archives. But uh, Greg is such a knowledgeable character. He's such a nice guy, always so generous with his time. And today we were discussing anger management as it pertains to stoicism and how stoicism can help you to deal with those emotions that maybe pop up a little bit too often uh, in those times of anger. So uh, really interesting conversation. And uh, before we jump into it, I want to make sure that you know, so uh, there was some glitches with the audio on this one. So unfortunately, Greg's voice is a little bit choppy from time to time and it repeats itself a little bit. Um, and I thought about whether I should release this episode or not, but you know, the stuff that we talk about in here is really valuable. I hope it's helpful to you. And I thought we might as well use this as an exercise in stoic anger management to, uh, get through the episode and try to get as much value out of it, uh, and, and still, uh, not getting angry over the fact that there's a few little audio glitches. So I hope that you still listen to it. I hope you get all the value out of it because Greg is such an awesome guy and has so much value to share. And you can find all of his information and his links to where you can find him online, including his amazing YouTube channel. Uh, You can find that in the show notes. So without any further ado, I present to you my interview with Gregory B. Sadler. Okay, so we have the one and only uh, Gregory Sadler. Greg, uh, you're always so kind and generous with your time, man, and and I'm so grateful that you've uh, you know really taken me under your wing in terms of coming on the show and offering your expertise. You're always happy to do it, and uh, I'm really excited this time to have a few of uh, my listeners as well coming along. Um, so we've got Jeff, Eric, and Bridget, and I think there might be another one jumping in sometime soon, but we'll see. But um, so Greg. Let's set up the conversation. Um, you know, obviously, we wanted to discuss anger management as it pertains to stoicism and how stoicism can help us with that. Uh, and I think this is an appropriate topic because when you look around the world today, it's not exactly clear that there's not an abundance of things to be angry at. <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot going on in the world, and there's a lot of people um, who who are suffering, um, not only in in say war torn regions, but even in the West where we have pretty comparatively easy lives, uh, it's clear to see that there's a lot to be angry at in terms of the way that governments are handling things in terms of everything really. And so, you know, my, my way of setting this conversation up is basically to hand it over to you and say, you know, what do you see in the world today and how can stoicism help us, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, so an easy softball box and yeah. <laughs> to start with. Yeah. So, um, 
I was I was talking with my my colleague Tim Laban about this this a bit recently recently because in, in Britain Britain and, and here in the United States there is clearly a lot of anger right now caused by the COVID pandemic and how people are handling it. Um, and we have a very polarized political system. Can use perhaps perhaps some of the you know you know. Um, demonstrations with people coming to state houses armed and things like that. And he was saying that, that he's not seeing, not seeing that sort of thing in Britain, that, that it, the mood seems to be more somber, like sadness and fear and anxiety. And I think that, that of it depends on the circumstances that, that we're placed in. So one thing that anger, just to jump into it, one thing that, that's, that's characteristic of anger, anger is that um, many people, as they're feeling it, they try to reassert control over things. They oftentimes feel it because um, not the traditional you know, causes that have been noted since antiquity, being insulted or, or, or you know, being in, injured in some way and wanting to, to respond in, in kind, but also when people are placed in situ situations where they feel like they don't, they don't have much control over their lives and bad things could happen to them, they, they tend, tend to looking for, tar for targets for anger. And you know, I'd say that there's an increased number of causes of anger, or occasions for anger, for anger, and then then you know, playing people in say quarantines or in situations where even even if they're quarantined, they may still get sick sick with a uh, deadly disease that that we still don't really know how to to take care of. Uh, um, that'll that'll, that'll produce anger as well. So we're we're in a, we were already badly off. You know, speaking in term, terms of um, just people struggling with anger and occasions for it. Um, so we weren't doing a good job before. before and now, now I think we're in a, in a situation where it becomes even more likely that people will get angry, especially men. men because, because, you know, one of the things you can, you, can, you can say about um, a lot of conceptions of masculinity is that anger, anger is an emotion that it's, it's to feel, feel and to express, whereas fear, pain, um, grief, things like that, for, for many men, it's, it's uh, considered, considered less okay to, to demonstrate that. So there's a, there's a lot of displacement of, of other affectivities into, into anger. And, and, you know, stoic perspective, um, like I said, we're badly off. Uh, the Stoics would talk in terms of not not just you know reasons for people people being angry, things that they're being angry about. They they would fo focus on the subject, the person who's who's angry, and they you know you can have something that it may feel that it's legitimate to get angry about, but it's not good for you to get ang angry. Um, and you know the the objection that a lot of people have at that, that point is, well, how can you not get angry about this? Or if you don't get angry, then then I'll be able to do any, do anything about it. But the the, the ancient Stoics already had some answers to those those things, particularly in Seneca's, Seneca's entire book on anger, but also in Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, um, and in part because this is not a you know. A new new problem. This is, this is something people are struggling with, with. Um, and, and not just in Western culture too. But, you know, there's there's anger literature, practically uh, every literature culture that we, we we find. So, mm. kind of a long-winded answer. But I mean, you know, the bottom line is, is 
we, we really uh, have, have a lot of people who are angry and are very often not making themselves any better off, or off getting angry, angry. And they're not, not, you know, the thing they're getting angry about, there's some legitimacy to them, but also part of it is them choosing, choosing things a certain way. Certain way. And so cynicism offers us a lot of um, reframing devices and, and techniques that makes that we can you be less angry. It also allows, allows us to see how anger Although it may be useful in some some cases, Tim Tim Lebon, Lebon, I was mentioning, are kind of a little bit Aristotelian in that respect. Um, we're we're not you know we're not down with the zero to tolerance approach to anger, but probably ninety nine percent of the cases, anger is not not going to be serving us. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know I think something that sticks out to me from your answer there is talking about this feeling of a lack of control, right? Because I think that, you know, when, when the economy is going really well, when people have jobs, when, you know, they're, they're able to maybe spend a little bit of money and, you know, have a good time. Like, I think, I think that there are a lot of factors that go into a community feeling as though, yeah, things are okay. And although they might have their various angers in life, the things that annoy them, maybe about family or, or whatever, at least, things are generally moving in a good direction. But as soon as those structures start to fall a little bit and, you know, yeah, like maybe they lose their job or, you know, something else happens to them, all of a sudden it seems as if anger is the only place to go because so much is, is, is out of your control. Right. So, yeah. so how do we kind of, how do the Stoics encourage us to, um, to, to look at anger? How do they encourage us to, to begin this process of, I guess, finding that personal control you know it, it's good that you that you put it away with a, like a book before and after um and you know it, it's interesting because the stoics don't don't usually think things that way way but there's um there's a lot of psychometric uh tories out there out there and you know tests that that talk about how people are and sort of their resting state and then what their approach to be when they're stressed. stressed out. Um, and they're, they're quite interesting to, to take a look at. Um, I mean, the Stoics didn't thematize that as much, but I think they, they easily could have. And what was going on when people thought that life was in their control was that they were, they were deluded, deluded about that. Uh, uh, from a stoic perspective, you, you can you can think that your body is something primarily in your control because you're able to ex exercise, you know, you know, get the food you want and and diet the way that you want to, and, and then as soon as something something comes in to disrupt that, that if you can't go to the, the gym anymore and you can't get get the food that you want because it's no longer available at the store, you can't even get you know uh, uh, flour in some places here in the, in the United States, um, the illusion of control gets shattered. And suddenly people have to face up to the, to the reality that was there, was there all along that we don't actually control our, our bodies or our finances or what people think of us or our, our rotations. Um, so, you know, the, the dichotomy of troll is stoic like to talk about it. Sometimes it gets thrust upon us as, as something. And, and as with any, with anything else, we haven't pra practiced, prepared for, for it, it comes as a big shock. And so then the, the question we can ask, we ask is why is anger a, Calm response to that, because there's other common responses: depression, fear, uh, and the all sorts of other negative negative emotions. Why, why anger? Anger does does make us feel as if we're getting some control back, although it's illusory. And 
So the Stoics, Stoics I think, would, would approach it in several different ways. One is to say, listen, you're, you're fooling yourself in thinking that by going on, on Twitter and ailing about, about this, that, or, or by, you know, uh, going and demonstrating in front of the Capitol, um, um, yelling at neighbors or, or things like that, you're, you're actually accomplishing anything. Um, so that, that that's one part, but 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 that's just the surface level. You know, we we, we actually have to dig deeper. Part of what you would do in any management is, and and this becomes more particularized, is you have to figure out what are you actually ticked off about, and what assumptions are you making from from a perspective? What judges do you have already? What lines of reasoning? What appearances are you buying into? That this response is something that that makes sense, uh, even though it doesn't really make sense, it makes sense to you at the time. So, so you know, part of, part of what has happened, and there's a, there's a lot of ways to explore this: working with the coach, journaling, um, you know, actually just observe, observe yourself as as you get angry and figuring out whether the things that you're you're thinking are actually reasonable or or on, on, or not. Those are all things you can do. And, and that's helpful. And, you know, another thing is the Stoics suggest having certain, certain maxims. This is, this is Seneca. Maxims was ready at hand so, so that when you do get angry, uh, or uh, if already angry, you can, you can apply them sort of like, uh, how does he put it, like a salve on a wound, you know? Mm. Uh, to, to try to try to fix it. Although Seneca is much more pessimistic about being able to intervene once you're angry than, say, Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, are. Um, so, so, you know, there's 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 a, a whole variety of techniques that they advised us, us to use and talked about about in their, their works. Um, mm. I don't know. Does that answer your your question? Yeah, Ad- no, it, it does. And, and I especially like that you're taking it in the direction as well of uh, almost like what Seneca said when he, when he mentioned, um, you, you know, we should be like throwing up earthworks like the, the soldier before a war, you know, like it's about, yeah. it's about oh, yeah, yeah. preparing for it as much as it is about actually being in it. And so, you know, they, they offer these, obviously these great techniques for practicing before the anger actually pops up. I want to touch on that Maxim's idea as well, because it seems like so so you take the bible for example and and obviously people who who study christianity they study the bible the idea is if you read this enough then you'll find little you might call them maxims throughout the whole book mm-hmm. that as you live your life they will simply be embodied within you because you can remember them at times when you need them right and that's sort of the idea with these maxims that the stoics encourage us to have right this idea that if you embody yeah. if, if you just engross yourself in this in this literature and you find the right little sayings that from time to time will pop up and help you uh you can actually start to embody the attitudes that the reader is sorry that the writer is trying to help you to embody right yeah yeah actually that's a really great analogy and i'm, I'm going to go a little bit further with it uh Seneca, I think it's it's in letter. I want to say it's in letter three three, but I may be mistaken about it. When when his um his buddy Julius is saying, "Hey, I want, hey, I want maxims," 
it's the one where Seneca says, ah, I shouldn't give you any maxims because, you know, really, it's all great stuff. I don't want to single out any party party quote as being, you know, you know, especially great. They're all great. And then he says, yeah, you don't want to be the kind of person who relies too much, too much on just, just single isolated maxims anyway. Stoicism is a, you might call it an interlocking, self-reinforcing system. You know, the, the the biblical writers and and there we're talking about you know a, a very long time period here um, um at least in the wisdom literature they had had a similar point of view if you look at the book of proverbs it begins by saying okay so here's some proverbs and proverbs proverbs are all like little you know little pithy quotes um but it's it's not actually quite so isolatable as it I mean, I mean, you can approach it in an isolatable way. So, oh, here's a little bit here and a little bit here. The people do on websites where they put they put a bunch of quotes. But at the very, very beginning book, it says, okay, list to these because if you're a beginner, they're going to help you out in this way. If you're, if you're a wise person, they're going to help you help you out way. There's this this vast interlocking, connecting way of of looking at things. And I think that think about it in terms of the the Jewish wisdom, wisdom literature. Um, which Christians are hopefully drawing upon. Mm. <laughs> I always, when, when people want to, want to talk about Christian morality, I'm, I'm always asking them about two things. I say, so what have you done with the wisdom literature? You know, uh, which includes, includes, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, Job, uh, Ecclesiastes, Book of Wisdom, Book of Sirach. And then I say, how are you doing with, doing with this on the Mount? Because, because you know, Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount is, is the, 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 the stumbling block uh, for for just about anybody, start mm. talking about Leviticus and some, you know, he's like, no, no, no. How are you doing with this? This really clear, hard to practice teaching, <laughs> and yeah. I think we can say say something quite similar similar about Stoicism. There are some, you know, there are some things that the Stoics are very clear about, and they're often difficult difficult to practice. As you, you said, uh, if we've already put in some work ahead of time will be better off at it, at it. you know they they run from the perspective of people who who fail Marcus you know says this to himself epictetus he counsels us about how often we're going to fail and have to pick ourselves back up um seneca is very conscious of his own failings things so you know there's something thing there to this analogy we've got the isolated bits and that's really great if we've got them if we can memorize some that are helpful helpful it's probably probably going to vary from person to per person that's wonderful um there's some that are almost like no-brainers how good they are like like you know how, um Aurelius, this is beginning of book, book two. We probably should begin each morning the, the way that he suggests start, start morning, you know, saying, you know, saying I'm going to meet with a, with a bunch of jerks of this sort, this sort, and this sort, but I got to remind myself these certain things that they're, they're, they're not really, not really get to be jerks. They're, they're, you know, they're misguided and I won't be such a jerk myself back to them. Uh, but if we put it in, put it in larger context and it become, becomes part of who we are, you know, then we've got sort of a fabric there. That I think is what's what the Wicks had in mind when they talk about, about living in accordance with nature. That's that's to live in accordance with a at least partially real real human nature nature. And the texts um, they perform a function in that. They're they're ways in which people are talking to us from from way beyond the grave in in uh, modes that that we can then pick up and, and make our own in the present. Yeah, yeah. So I no, very I, much like that. I like that, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's similar. You know, I think I think that you can really approach much of what we try to do in Stoicism in this in a similar way to 
the way that people would approach their journey through Christianity. It's like, Hey, you know, morning meditation, it's like your morning prayer, you know, like, yeah, you know, remember yeah. these certain maxims and it's going to, cause we're all, we're all aiming at the, the, the same thing here. We're trying to, you know, like align with nature, whether that means uh, living in agreements with God, li living in agreements with nature, universal reason, whatever it is, we're trying to tap into, you know, our higher self essentially. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that there are commonalities there, but so, so we know a few tips for before the anger comes on, you know, we can remember these things. We can, you know, we, we can practice, uh, you know, the dichotomy of control and allowing ourselves to see, okay, what is it that I actually do control in that moment when, uh, when somebody flips you off in the car next to you or somebody, <laughs> you know, that, that annoying colleague comes into the room and, and starts, you know, yammering off some gibberish that you have no reason to be uh, <laughs> uh, attentive to at this time of day. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, is the, uh, what is the process? What can you offer people there? And what can Stoicism offer people in that moment where it immediately happens to you? Where you're already starting to get get a little bit angry, right? Where the yeah. process is beginning, um, you know, there's there's a number number of things, um, but I'll I'll just try to you know, know stick to uh, just a few. One of them is, is Epictetus talk, just talks about. Uh, he says when, says whenever there's a harsh appearance uh, or disturbing appearance is another way of translating it. Say to that appearance, your own appearance and not not necessarily what you pretend to be. So one another way of thinking about that is don't invest what you're what you're experiencing with with all sorts of assumptions and judgments that might not actually be true. So maybe your colleague comes in, and, you know, they set down their their cup really loudly, loudly on desk and can a little bit still out and you're like that person really wants to mess up my wonderful full ask that I had I had a perfect at this time no they probably don't care care about it at all you know uh, it's, it's not to say that what they're doing is a okay okay other other they're probably still behave, behaving in you know kind of a bad, bad way um, but they're not doing it to stick it to you Mm. Or maybe they are, you know, you know, you don't actually know that till you, you, you probe it. And if you can do that, that'll help cut off some of the anger. Another thing is, is just taking, taking laws um, before, or, you know, you start feeling yourself off getting angry. There's this, this thing, I forget which Stoic philosopher it was, it was one that we don't, we don't know very much about, but he, he, he told uh, one of the emperors, you know, when, when you start getting angry, recite the, the alphabet. Mm. It could be anything, anything. It could be coming to 10 and you could be doing deep breaths or something like that. But, but if you can stop the automatic process, uh, um, you know, I've been acted in some, some negative way, you know, this was wrong. I shouldn't suffer this, or I should punish this person, person, stop that, that process from happening. So automatically you can head off anger. Um, you know, another thing you can do, do as well is, is, is in what they call, call depersonalization, meaning that you, you look at the situation as if it was hap happening to somebody else. Say, if this happening to some, somebody else, would I consider it rational to, to get angry over this? Or would I, am I, am I an exception for myself? <laughs> because yes, mm. I think it's okay for me to get, get ticked off about that. And there, there's a number of other things, but I think those, those three just by, just by themselves would, would help a person to de deal with many of those things, uh, many of those occasions of anger, let's say. Mm. There's kind of an idea at the end there that you're speaking about similar to that kind of idea of, 
the hardest thing to do is to take the advice that you would give everybody else. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, we, we would look at yeah. other people who are getting angry in a situation and we'd just be like, are, are you serious? Like, why would you? And, and, and often yeah. when it comes around to us, we, we don't act in that way. But you, you also said something interesting there, um, which is that if somebody comes and messes up something on your desk, they probably don't care that much. It's not as if they're coming in there and just trying to ruin your life. It reminds me of this quote from this Australian musician. He said, he said, we wouldn't care so much about what other people think of us if we realized how seldom they do. And that's, that's <laughs> pretty much the best you know, way that I can put it. It's, it. it's like people might annoy, you might be annoyed by people, but they might not necessarily be going out there to annoy you. We have to have that understanding, right? Of, that there's a certain yeah. ignorance that we all have to the way that we are affecting other people. Yeah, that's very true. And Marcus points out, again, again, talking to himself. So, so he must have had quite a few experiences like this, where he said, well, you're, you're ticked off a person for doing this and this thing. Don't you realize how often, often you yourself have done exactly that sort of thing? Um, why aren't you angry at yourself if, if, if that's a bad thing, thing by, by itself? Uh, rather than being bad because it's, it's, it's directed at you. And, and that can help... Uh, bangers as well i think so yeah so there, there's a sort of consistency and this leads to another key point one one reason why stoics are so down on anger is because it has such a great potential for seducing practical rationality it, you know even if we get away from the stoics and we just talk about the earlier philosophers like the plate plates and the, and the aristilia thought there was some some legitimate role for getting angry they were still super cautious about it. They thought that that you know Plato was called was called thumes, this middle part of the soul that you need in order to like resist um, bad things that are happening and and suppress the, the uh, appetite when they get a little bit a little bit too unruly. Even that has to be subordinate to reason, or it's going to to start you know you know doing things with an, with an agenda of its own, and it's gonna uh, it's gonna corral reason and bring it in and turn it into subordinate. And, and see this all the time, time with people who get angry. They, it, once they're angry, they, they find reasons for everything. And they start mm. seeing all sorts of connections that are, that are actually there. You know, you, you did this one thing now, but I remember what you did last week that was the same sort of thing. See, now yeah. there's, a, there's a pattern here. You know, you know, and and it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous way to go. So one thing we can do is remind ourselves that when we, when we become angry, I saw this in an anger management book that had nothing to do with stoicism. It said the first thing to do to remind yourself, of, uh, the first thing to remind yourself of when you, when you get angry is that uh, when I become angry, I become stupid. Mm. And I think that I'm not stupid. I think I'm smart. smart. Yeah. <laughs> that I, you know, I'm making, making all these great associations and connections, but they're all nonsense. They're, they're all BS. Yeah. Uh, I can see that, see that if I was angry, but because I'm angry, I invest them with this almost luster, this affectivity yeah. that, oh, these are, these are really great thought, thoughts. Um, and, and so if we, if we know, know that ahead of time, we can, we can um, catch that as a thing. And, and, and tell ourselves this angry re reasoning that I'm having right now, this is not going to be helpful for me. And I'm not going to like what it looks like two hours from now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a good point that when you get angry, you know, you tend to think that you're even smarter, but it, it's the opposite. Like I, yeah. I think of my, like I'm, I'm pretty good at usually admitting that I'm 
I'm pretty much an idiot most of the time, right? I'm pretty good at, at, at recognizing that, that, that I don't have all the answers, but something about when that anger pops up, it, it, it makes you feel you like dig, an intellectual. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you feel like, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, well, nature that, deceives you, you know? And, yeah, and I mean, think, I think that's, yeah. that's part so seductive about anger is that there's, there's the, the I'm, I'm like thinking on all cylinders uh, aspect to it, to it. And, and, I'm, and I'm totally justified as well as well. Anger, once it happens, starts telling you that you're, you're totally in the right. And it, 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 it feels good to, good to be angry. It's tough on, on the body. Um, but there is, like Aristotle points out, and he takes this, this such a truism. Homer said it, said it in Aristotle. He talked, talked about anger, sweet as honey from the comb. Right, so there is also a certain kind of pleasantness to being angry, and I think that a lot, a lot of that had to do going, going, circling all the way back to that issue of control. You know, anger makes makes like we have more control control than we do. It make it gives us a, a kind of dynamism, at least temporarily, and it makes us think that we're, we're you know on on top of things. Things, and all of that is 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 really. Well, I mean, it, it could be the fact. It could be the case in some cases is that we actually are. Uh, uh, doing okay but but it's it's rarely the case that mm. these are actually true um but that's part of what makes anger anger so so active and and then once we start relying on it it's sort of like using a crutch you know uh it, you, sh you should crutch when you've broken broken your and you need to you know sit for a while now and then you should get better and, and put the the crutch away and start walking around if you use the crutch all, crutch all the time your body starts to you know you know conform itself to, to it and then after a while can't walk without the crutch and a, a lot of people approach being the right thi thing or stand up for themselves using anger as that sort of crutch where they think that if I don't get angry, people are going to walk, going to walk all over me. Or if I don't, don't get angry, I won't be able to do the things I need to do or defend the people who I need to defend. Mm, yeah. Actually, actually, and I've seen people, do, people doing this at the gym too. Um, this is hey, a total sorry, digression. people doing this when? At the gym. gym. <laughs> they think they, they get angry, angry if they're going to push, push the heavy weights, you know, and... I mean, I think I can push the weights without without getting self angry. Angry. I mean, other people do that, do that, but then you know, some people will rely on it as their their MO. It's how they how they they, they and I think that I think that's actually bad for us from a stoic stoic perspective. The stoics are really attentive to how we develop habits. Um, mm. It goes back to the to the preparation. If we if we want to be able to handle situations, whether it's fear, anger, sadness, pain. Um, and any of these, these these things that we we face, we need to prepare, but not just intellectually. We need to develop habits, mm. so that that a lot allows to then um, res respond appropriately. And if yeah. we do the opposite, if we develop bad habits, it makes it much tougher for us. For us. So so I, I mean, I, I got into into anger management things in part because um, by the time I was in my late 20s, 20s and 30s, I'd, I'd recognized after people tell, telling me for more than a decade that I had some serious anger problems. But by mm -hmm. then I had some real re in habits. <laughs> it took me years and years and years to, to deracinate those um, in part through using philosophy. Um, and and, and like, like, like Epictetus says, those scars never completely go away. Um, um, you, 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 you can, uh, heal it to some degree, but you always have to be a little bit careful. Mm, so, yeah. Oh.
yeah, yeah the, the the power of habit is uh, is our biggest strength and our biggest weakness, right? It's like it it, it can work exactly. against yeah. us yeah. in the in the worst ways, but it can also work for us. And that's that's why we talk about you know preparation before the anger, right? Is building the habit of being mindful, of being uh, paying attention to the way that your body is reacting and your own emotions, right? Yeah. And you know, that's, that's an, there, there's, there's another health thing that comes out, out of that. And Epictetus talked about this um, quite a bit. He's got chapters specifically on anger in the, in the discourse. He tells us that, that when we get into situations where we're angry, we have a tendency to say they're, they're just one time, time right? They're, we're doing this one thing and maybe we get this wrong, but it's not a big deal. And he says, every time, every time you get angry and you allow yourself to get, to get carried away, you reinforce the habit. Hmm. So if we can tell ourselves, we would with other things too, too giving into to the temptation to, to, to eat, you know, more than we ought to, you know, go to the buffet a, a fifth time instead of just, you know, a fourth time, time, which is already probably too much. Too much. Um, if we can tell ourselves, well, I'm not just fighting this battle for a day. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to change the direction that my, my life is going in. Um, that can help, can help us out. Somebody else tells, tells us from the outside that sort of thing when we're angry it's probably not going to help us at all then we get mm. angry at them and them and the hell are you to tell me all me all the, you know, <laughs> stay out of my business but if we can take responsibility for ourselves and, and remind ourselves that you know so we start lo- losing our terror and maybe saying some some things in a heated way to somebody else this is not just about today they this is about where we're going to be t- tomorrow and next year this might also be about the relationship that i'm in danger of screwing up right now mm. uh, or the bad the bad example i'm setting for for uh you know, you know in my case the father my my kids uh mm. and, and losing my temper with or with that with somebody else um that'd be very powerful yeah if we're yeah. W- willing to listen to it <laughs> Yeah, thinking about now and thinking about the future—it's important, you know. And yeah. I, I, you know, I, I only had one more question that I wanted to ask before we maybe bring in um, bring in a couple of people here as well. Uh, sure. Sometimes, so it's 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 clear that uh, anger has an evolutionary benefit, right? We need to mm. feel anger at some things, uh, but the Stoics obviously put that that caveat there, saying. It's, it's never a good thing to uh, ascend to a, a very angry state and to outwardly allow that to, you know, ruin everything else outside of you. But, yeah. uh, but, but, but what I think it would be okay to do is to listen to that anger, have a conversation with it, like Epictetus would encourage and say, yeah. listen, what are you here for? And what's in my control to do about this, right? So my only question is, how do you pick your battles? You know, how, how, do you, how do you understand if your anger is coming from a good place or if it's something that you should just, you know, forget about it? Yeah. What, what's the process? So it's actually a, a kind of a, kind of a thing because it particularly vicious with respect back to anger, which is where I started out. The answer is, you know, it's never on, on, on it's, it's never helpful. But, but then you're, as you start making more and more progress, the better off you are, the more times anger response might not be completely off base, right? And so you can think about, you know, come back to this, to this situation that we're in. Um, there are things that people are angry about 
having to do with um, COVID-19 and, and government, government responses to, to it and the bad situation that many people were in before that, like here in the United States, we don't have universal health care. And instead, we have this, this incredible patchwork of largely effective systems, some of which are, you know, the state, some of which are federal, most of which, of which are profit, and very, very, very few of which are actually attuned to, actually, to helping people in a timely and effective way. Way, um, um, and it's understandable that people would get angry when when they say, "Oh, I've got, got symptoms," and then they they find that if they want to want to go get tested, um, contrary to, to what they've been told, the tests are not going to be free. They're going to need to pay thousands of dollars. And then once once actually, if they if they get results that they're they're positive, they're going to have to go through all these protocols. So you know, person be angry about about maybe maybe so um, maybe they can take the beginnings of that and then you know anger at a certain a certain certain part certain in the process has you know taper off and practical rationality takes over. That's the way the Stoics I think would would say that a, that it could be done done instead of using anger as the fuel because. The problem with anger is, is once you're, you rely on it as, as your fuel or ener energy or dynamism, it goes off in all these other directions and it, it, it matches on to things. It's not, it, it's dependable. So anger could give us the right orientation, but then we would need something other than ang anger to, to carry through the actions that we need to take. And, you know, we could also think about being angry at ourselves. Um, John Cassian, again, to talk about a Christian monastic author who's even probably more zero tolerance about anger, anger than even the, the Stoics, says that the, that the only person that, that, that you ever ought to get angry at is yourself, and you get angry at your own anger. <laughs> <laughs> now, is, is that bad? Maybe, maybe sometimes it does make sense to feel ang angry, not in this that you would punish yourself, but in the sense that you're like, this is not who I'd like to be and have, have sort of, you know, you know, affect reaction towards that. that, that, that but again, you wouldn't want to rely on that um, mm. as being your sole driver. You would want to get to the, get to the point where something else is, is do, doing it, so, you know, strengthening your faculty of, of reason, your faculty of choice. Mm. Yeah. That, that reminds me of this. Uh, that, that's such a great, it's, it's a good thought, like this idea of, only getting angry at yourself for the fact that you're still not improving your moral character to the point where you cannot be angry. Right. And it's not necessarily yeah, yeah. an anger, but it reminds me of this silly story that uh, the, the personal development leader, Jim Rohn used to say, and he, he, he was basically illustrating the point that sometimes you need a moment in your life where you can just go nuts and, and purge your anger and then get on with it. Right. And, and he told this story of this guy who was just so fed up with his life he had this crappy old car. He hated the car. It never worked. And he was like, what am I doing with my life? Why haven't I figured this stuff out yet? So he went outside. He just starts shooting his car up. He's oh, like, I'm oh, never wow. driving this again. And, and that was the day that turned his life around, right? It's like, I'm sick of this. I'm done. I'm going to change my life. I wouldn't recommend going out and shooting up your car. But yeah. uh, the, the demonstration is, listen, sometimes you just need to have a moment with yourself and say, listen, why haven't you improved your character yet? Why haven't you improved this about yourself? It's time. It's time to, you know, move forward and make some progress, right? 
And even you know, if, we, if we move it into a different area that's more interpersonal, I mean, there are cases where, where somebody who's been, who's been put with bad behavior on other people's hearts for, for quite a while, you know, finally loses it and they start yelling, yelling them and then people, whoa, I, I, I better take, mm-hmm. take this seriously. And the danger there is that they, they, they then say, oh, well, see, getting angry got me what I, I then so now yeah. I'm just going to get angry all the time. Um, but, you know, having that, that moment of, let's call it, possible, possible right where, th- where things start to be, be able to shit out of a previously frozen thing, anger can be good for that. Um, but, but then other thing, things, wait, waiting as resources that you, you can use because anger by itself isn't going to help you pick up all the piece piece it'll just keep breaking making them more <laughs> yeah so yeah. it won't get you a new, new car that you can you can drive around yeah um, <laughs> but but that that's a that's a brilliant point which is you know and you, you can definitely see this and it's kind of like you see this with kids as well when they learn that if they start to tantrum they actually get what they want and that's probably the worst thing yeah. that you could possibly teach a kid and and i think that it's clear that a lot of people who maybe have had those situations when they were growing up and it's just been ingrained into them that, yeah, when I get angry, I get what I want. And so there's got to be kind of a balance, right? There's got to be a balance between, okay, there's some sort of outcry here. Somebody wants me to hear something, so I should listen to this, but also yeah, let's talk about it in a way that is more effective and, and going to move us forward instead of taking us two steps back. And, you know, in, in sort of general idea when we talk about virtues and vices uh, uh, and we're doing true ethics and stoicism is an example of virtue ethics as is aristotelianism and and Platonism and you know various christian christian approaches as well um there's there's a tendency to talk just about habits and not to look at other things that are very very closely can be connected in real lives with the hats that we have one of them is relationships so, you know, throwing a tantrum from not just me, me doing a thing in an in a environment that's, you know, uh, impersonal, it's me doing it in relation to, to you, you if you're a kid. And it can be, can be transferred to other contexts. So I can do it with my teacher. I can do it with, you know, I get, be, get to be a, a young. I can do it with my, with my girlfriend. I don't get what I want, want from her. And um, I try it with professors and you know, all the way down the line, right? right? And so this relation aspect is, is just as important as the, the habit aspect. And then there's also what we can call the narrative aspect, which is where it's the sto- story we tell ourselves. And so it, it's not enough just to like, like change what we typically do. We also have to look at the, the ways and ways in which we're describing what's ha- happening. Uh, with ourselves. So when it comes to anger, generally the story that we're tell, telling, I'm justified in this, you know, extreme emotional response and the shouting and, you know, maybe wrecking things or uh, escalating or that. Um, we have to look very, very carefully at the, those narratives as well. And I don't think the, the class classic texts talked that much about, about that, but if we can adapt this just to modern times, I think we have to look at those three things as being connected, habit, relationships, and narrative. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's important. And, and the relationship side of things is, is just so important to look at because, you know, you, yeah, yeah. you might be able to control your own anger, but if, you know, if like you can't control the other person's anger and if they're not on the same page as well that becomes yeah. quite difficult right because you're here trying to be like okay let's talk about this calmly but they haven't yet reached that point 
and it brings up another really interesting issue, which is that anger can feed off of anger, right? Mm. So if you, if you angry at me, me, because I show up late and they talk to me in a way that I don't like, now I can be angry at you. And we we're both already ready disagreement, agreement about who stood it and who, who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And now I start talking to you in an even more elevated voice and I maybe throw, throw insult, insult and that ticked off at me, at me about the original thing and about the insult. And it can just, it can go up you know, further and further. And it's inter interesting, you see, People who have, have legitimate grounds for, for anger um, quite often draw the attention and the, and the fear of, of other people who are even, even worse off with, with respect to anger or mm -hmm. more entitled and think that nobody else should be angry for them. And I, I think this is what, this is what we're happening in, in, in the political sphere right now. Yeah, 100%. I think... Uh... Uh, yeah, I've 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 been watching uh, a lot of news lately, not necessarily with anger in my heart, but with a genuine curiosity for how this world is going to play out over the next, you know, uh, one to ten years. And it's very interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens because there is a hive mentality of anger right now all around the world. And no, yeah, and I, who I knows think where that goes. I think that that that's quite true. And I think that the internet has made it worse in part part because. Anger turns out to be one of the most viral of emotions, meaning mm. that if you if you put put thing out there there as a post, and it provokes sadness or happiness, it's less likely to to produce a reaction and and reposting than anger is, mm. uh, because you can be angry on either side and then post it. Anger is a dynamic emotion as opposed as opposed to a stick emotion. And you, you might also just post it to, to, to tick other people off. This, this whole phenomenon of doing something, something to only whoever it is that you're, you're provoking is part of that as well. So I think we're, we're, we're more at a disadvantage now being as hyper-connected as we are, yeah. which means that we need, we need techniques even more. Uh, yeah. But we can't count on other, on other having them. Um, uh, we, we, we live in an environment where if we decide to, you know, behave as stoics or any other sort of intentional living, we can count ninety nine nine percent of the people around us to not see things that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it doesn't help that if most of your friends pretty much think the same as you, then all that you're going to see online is anger, yeah. and if all that you watch on YouTube and all that you search online is you know NBC, you know latest news or Fox News latest news, it's like all you're going to see is angry news and reasons why you should be horrified with the world right now. And it's just going to keep yeah. on showing you more of that. And man, that's, that's a dangerous road to go down. And we, because the internet is so new and because social media is so new, we don't know the long-term effects of what's going to happen as a result of these algorithms that only show you what you regularly want to see. And so who knows yeah, where yeah, we true. go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Greg, yeah, this is, this has been so much fun and, and I appreciate you uh, sharing all your wisdom here. I'm going to bring in everybody else um, into the conversation as well. See if they want to jump on and ask a question. All right. So there you have it. My interview with Gregory B. Sadler. Now you can find all of the information for where you can find him online in the show notes below, as well as the links to his incredible YouTube channel. So uh, make sure you head there, check him out, show him some love because he's got so much value to share beyond this interview. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed that and I hope that it was helpful to you and I'll talk to you next time. But until then, I hope that this episode has helped you on your rise to the good life.
Ciao. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date with the Practical Stoic community and everything to do with this podcast, then just go to my website, simonjedrew.com and subscribe to the Practical Stoic Weekly, a newsletter that I send out every week with updates and all sorts of great Stoic insights. You can also find me everywhere online by searching Simon J.E. Drew. See you next time.